Hi, this is Russ, and we're getting ready to uh, look at Session 10 in the course Confronting the Powers. And I really hope that you're doing well with this, and uh, you're taking the time to study. And uh, so you need a combination of just getting before the living Christ, your Savior, the one that loves you, that can speak into your life. And even if you have other difficulties around you, still pursue the Lord and uh, still learn of Him and seek of Him. And uh, He's going to teach you and He's going to guide you. And, and things that you're learning now, uh, you will not only put into practice uh, here and now, but um, down the road, you're going to you're going to find there's going to be times the Spirit of God reminds you of things. So realize that this is a time of growing and developing and hopefully like uh, Acts chapter 9 verse 22, that you are growing more and more powerful in the Lord. We are in session 10 in Unleashing the Kingdom of God. This deals with spiritual awakening, revival, and the powers of God. Listen, with the ramping up of the other side and all that the enemy is doing and all that we've talked about, with a sense of uh, chaos in the air around us, uh, collapse, uh, terror, and uh, everything else that the uh, society uh, that we live in today that is uh, fearing and feeling, uh, we need to understand that God is not done yet. God has enormous things to do through your life and uh, through the body of Christ and what he will do directly into the world in uh, countering what uh, Satan is doing. God is uh, not willing that any perish. He is... Uh, powerful to save and bring about uh, massive things. So on page 31, when we deal with uh, this session, there is the key at the beginning of the page. There is only one way to combat the rage of demonic darkness, no matter what levels they ramp up to with satanic power. There is a spiritual answer to this onslaught. With the invasion of the King of Heaven, this, the authority and the power of God are not only here now, but will fully break in when Jesus returns. Victory is guaranteed for the church and his kingdom. This also means that defeat is guaranteed for all the forces of darkness and their results. So I urge the Christian right now, the believer in Christ, to realize the uh, indefeatability of the church, if I can use that word. To realize that God will accomplish his mission and that you can be a part of that great and powerful mission to the very last days uh, that we face uh, in the world around us. So um, I'm not a defeatist. I really believe in the uh, ability of God to save the most, to do the most, to show his power. Uh, the ramping up of the, the side that God will uh, once again run circles around uh, the dragon and all that he is uh, doing. Satan lost again and again and again. You can see that again in Revelation 12 where he stood to destroy the Messiah when he came the first time. When he attempted to annihilate Israel and annihilate also then the body of Christ. And in all three uh, categories, he loses uh, because of the sovereign power, authority, and the accomplishment of God. What Jesus did at the cross welds the victory. Uh, he's victorious. And um, because of that, uh, you can have victory in Jesus and uh, grow and be strong and also accomplish much for Him. So let's start off, first of all, with the mission of God. The mission of God is the mandate. Uh, no matter what you know about evil, what you know about what's going around uh, you know, the world today, uh, in your country, uh, in your neighborhood, 
what you've experienced, please understand this. We could talk about all the statistics and numbers and everything else of what Satan is doing, and uh, you know that could alarm us. And and actually, I, we bring those out so that we can be alarmed and alerted. That we can be watchful, as the scripture says, so that we can make response. We can see the late hour. That's what the Apostle John, led by the Spirit of God, did when he was writing the book of 1 John. 2,000 years ago, when he said, this is how we know it is the last hour. There are many antichrists among us, and we know the antichrist is to come. So because of the ramping up, we know that it's the very last hour. The Lord is near, and it's not a matter of just standing back and waiting for him to pluck you out of here. It's a matter of us going to snatch as many others out of the fire uh, that we can to express the great mercy and grace of God. But also, we have been given authority and told to be to put on the armor because of uh, these uh, days that we live in. The mission of God is the mandate, my friend. The mission of God is the mandate. You have a mandate. You have a mission from God. The body of Christ has been commissioned. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, ethnos, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey, to observe, to put into practice everything whatsoever I have taught you, and I will be with you to the very end of the age. Now, if you can count on, if you can read through that and count on every aspect of that, um, and you will plunge yourself into the great mission of God, you're going to find that you're going to be able to make disciples, lead people to Christ, see the healing, deliverance, and other workings of the Holy Spirit in that process. You're going to be able to bring them in to see them baptized, to be publicly declaring their faith in Christ, and to be initiated in a physical sense uh, and connected to the body of Christ. Powerful celebration and baptism. And then you're going to be a part of the process of making sure they're discipled. Not just given information, but they're shown how to obey the word of God so that they too can uh, take up the cross and follow Christ, that they too can pray with power, be filled with the Spirit of God, lead friends to Christ, uh, be a part of the mission, honor Jesus in every way, be the most powerful, faithful, local church member possible, and, um, and realize that in that process... Listen, Christian, realize that in that process, Jesus Christ said, I will be with you always. I'll be with you always. I will be with you always. Uh, that means is that we can ask the question, is there ever a time that he is not with us? And the answer to that is no. If you're committed to the mission, God uh, backs a mission with all of heaven's resources, which Jesus is the source of. Jesus said, I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Uh, this is uh, very clearly observed in the book of Acts. This is declared in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 16, verse 20, when the scripture says, And the disciples went out everywhere evangelizing. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that followed. The Lord worked with them. When you're stepping out every single day after your prayer time in the morning, when you're stepping out to be God's missionary for the day, to help reach people for Christ, to make the most of every opportunity, please understand that the Spirit of God will bless you and lead you and guide you, that the Lord Jesus Christ himself walks with you, is in you, and uh, will express himself in and through you to others, to others around you. 
Jesus Christ, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Have you not read, have you not read, dear Christian, John's Gospel, chapter 17, when Jesus is praying to the Father, when he says towards the end, and Father, he says these words, that I myself may be in them, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And uh, as you exalt Christ and uh, believe in Jesus and trust Him, the Spirit of God will bless you. The mission of God to reach the world. Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark that He will not, he will not even return till the Gospel is preached to every single continent, every single place in the world around us. We're called to go to the highways and the byways. So let me tell you that the Great Commission is God's final mission till Jesus returns. Let me say it again. The Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28, is God's final mission till Jesus returns. Most of our time, most of our resources, most of all that we can do in our service to God is to follow the Great Commission and do exactly as Christ commissioned. And uh, this brings in point number two under A. The Great Commission draws the greatest level of heaven's backing. Man, this is tremendous. Luke chapter 24, Jesus told the disciples to wait for power from on high. Power from on high. Uh, that would come. They would be clothed with power from on high. And we see Jesus say it again in the in the first chapter of Acts uh, that they're to wait when the Spirit of God comes with power, when they're clothed with power from on high, they will be, Jesus said, you will be my witnesses. Listen, my friend, my Christian friend, my brother and sister in Christ, when you are clothed and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you become a witness of Jesus Christ. You become someone who wants to glorify Jesus, reach others for Jesus, preach Jesus, explain Jesus, take Jesus to people all around you. I mean, that's just simply what the Holy Spirit does. When he fills you and clothes you and saturates you and soaks you in the presence of power, he'll make you a great, great, great witness and soul winner and supernaturally guide and direct, and the Lord will confirm his working uh, by some miraculous things as you do so. And the most important thing, of course, is that individuals find Christ as Savior and Lord before it's too late. And so that's what the Bible teaches, that God is backing the great mission. In the book of Acts, the power of the Spirit of God, the power of signs and wonders, healing and deliverance, incredible and even extraordinary miracles were done on behalf of those who are reaching others for Christ. Even angelic visitation, we find in the book of Acts in three cases, it always involved, when angels showed up to help, it involved uh, them to open doors and to help so that the disciples, the believers, would continue to soul win, continue to reach others, continue to do the mission. Um, so let me encourage you and let me tell you today that if you want to be under the, under the umbrella of heaven, under the umbrella of God's power and grace and might, under the umbrella of His great expressed power with the possibility of enormous miracle, then be surrendered and committed to the Great Commission, soul-winning evangelization, and sharing Jesus. Don't wait on anybody else. 
If you sit around waiting for everybody else someday, you know what? God has spoken to you. To whom much is given, much is required. Go ahead and get up today and decide. You're going to become stronger and stronger and better and better at, at doing it. And so if you lead somebody to Christ in the next week or two, then maybe you'll lead three people to Christ the next uh, three weeks. Maybe you'll end up leading in the next few months, and you know, 10, 12, 20 people to Christ, and you'll see people, some people healed, and some people delivered from demonic presence. You'll see some people restored in their lives, and, and enormous and great redemptive workings. God backs the mission that Jesus gave his life for, and uh, that is where you and I should place the majority of our time. Not in secondary movements, not in diversionary movements, even in the body of Christ. Diversionary, secondary things that take you off the central tracks and uh, divert you from the central mission. Uh, Don't allow it to happen. Point number three under A. The Great Commission is the mandate of taking Jesus and salvation to every single person on the planet. And again, that's found in Mark chapter 16. It's found in the Great Commission. It's found in what Jesus was doing. It's found in what the Apostle Paul was doing. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul kind of uh, embodies, embodies in an experiential way um, his commitment to the truth of reaching every single human being, going to the highways, the byways, the hard places, uh, finding them everywhere. And uh, reaching out to every single kind of person. It's embodied in the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.19. I love this verse. Paul expresses it and the Holy Spirit expresses it through him saying, Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave, a doulos. It's as if he would uh, chain himself to every single human being. I make myself a slave to every, literally he's saying in the Greek, every single human being, that I might win the ploy, that I might win the most possible numbers of individuals. Now that is what the Holy Spirit is all about. That is what the Great Commission is all about. That is what the work of God is all about. And heaven will back that mentality, that mission, that commitment to the Great Commission with the powers of God, the signs and wonders of God, the miracle of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, even angelic help, if we are committed that way. You you know, I just encourage you, Maybe even to turn off the tape right now, go to the book of Acts chapter 8 and uh, study in Acts chapter 8. And, and it's the Philip factor. I would pray to God that he would make every Christian just like Philip. Even when there's all kinds of things, threatenings going on, he's scattered, whatever else, all he knows to do is to stay committed to the mandate of the great mission of God. All we see is his commitment to reach people for Jesus wherever he goes, and we see God's power. All that I'm talking about can be found uh, in the Philip Factor, Acts chapter 8. Saturate yourself with that story. Saturate yourself with the story of this this young man uh, who was ablaze for God.
who was on fire for Jesus Christ, who was committed to try to win souls wherever he went, who was able to pray for the sick and see them get healed, who was able to confront deep, dark, demonic presence and see Satan delivered. He was able to infect an entire town with the joy of Christ and to set the, the city on fire with the joy that comes uh, from salvation in Christ. He was led and guided by the Spirit of God. He could quote what the Holy Spirit told him to do. He had angelic visitation to help him and help direct him. He had supernatural guidance. And I'm telling you that God backs soul winners. God backs those who are dearly and passionately committed to the Great Commission. And I, I am inviting you, I'm in urging you uh, to take a hold of the Great Commission and uh, begin to live it every day of your life. Ask God for the opportunities, but the other side of that, like Philip, Make the opportunities, take the opportunities, and don't wait on anybody else. You'll find that God will work with you and he'll make you stronger and stronger, more fruitful and more powerful. Well, on page 31, let's go to point B. Uh, this is seeking the salvation of all unleashes the full power of God. And it's somewhat what we just mentioned. But I want to I go over a number of things, probably eight specific things or nine specific things that is demonstrated in, uh, in setting out to do the Great Commission, setting out to do the mission of God, setting out to evangelize everybody. We say, well, I, I've got spiritual gifts and I've got a... Well, that's fine. Spiritual gifts are not... They're not the mission of God. They accompany the mission of God. If all of a sudden you say, well, I've got the gift of prophecy. I'm going to go over here and just prophesy the rest of all. That's all I'm going to do. Well, you're wrong. Well, you say, I've got the gift of teaching, and I went over here, and this is my part, and I'm going to just do teaching. And that's all I'm going to do. That's my mission. You're wrong. The mission of God is the evangelization of the world. The mission of God is for every single believer, every single church, to be committed to reaching every single person for Christ. Whatever the cost, uh, we're to reach every single human being. That is the mission of God. That's what he pledged power to. Now, accompanying that mission is uh, giftings and workings that can be used in the body of Christ. They can even be used in the evangelization of others. Get a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and so forth uh, in, in the sense of evangelism and, and see how God will operate to reach individuals. But don't get lost in the church. Don't get lost in the crowd. Don't all of a sudden turn your gifting into your identity and into your mission. No, it's part of what you do. Uh, and it is secondary to the great mission of God. So be committed on a weekly basis to the great commission of God. Along with that, be committed to prayer, fellowship with the believers, obviously worship, and also expressing your spiritual gifts in your local church and uh, using your giftings um, even in evangelism. So let's mention uh, the uh, nine things I have here concerning the unleashing of that full power presence uh, of our mighty God. Uh, number one, the power of the cross in salvation, Romans 1, 16 and 17. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it is the power of God. He said it in the face of Rome. He said it in the face of Rome, which God prophetically, eventually, uh, on behalf of the gospel, uh, un, you know, destroyed the satanic empire of Rome. You can read about it in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, where God spoke to the Roman church prophetically through the word of God and that he would soon crush Satan under their feet in reference to Rome. 
and Rome fell and uh, the Christian church continued to flourish and uh, God demonstrated his power over corrupted demonized political systems and he'll do it again and again and again and again Uh, so don't fear political systems Um, instead trust that God sovereignly will cut through uh, political systems and everything else in order to reach a soul for Jesus Christ Number two, the power and the work of the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And literally reading the entire book of Acts. Because you're going to see that every single time it mentions people were spirit-filled. They got filled with the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. Filled with the Spirit in Acts chapter uh, 4 again. Uh, Barnabas was full of the Holy Spirit, a good man. Saul of Tarsus got saved and then filled with the Spirit. Uh, Stephen was filled with the Spirit. Philip was filled with the Spirit. In every single case... The word spirit filled, the word filled, is always associated with power, and that's always associated with the trinity of evangelism. Filled, power, and evangelism. A trinity of words and experience that we find in the book of Acts. They're all associated. If you get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, power is expressed in and through your life, and you're involved in witnessing and sharing Christ, and you're involved in the great, 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 awesome, priceless work of evangelization, sharing Jesus. Be God's missionary today. Be God's witness today. Be Christ's witness today. He will, uh, he will literally amaze you with his grace and his workings and his providential leading. He'll be able to count on you as a witness. Then you'll get major leadings because he knows then you will open your mouth, that you will pray, that you will share, that you will seek. The Greek word for win, like Paul used, to win as many as possible. That's what it's all about. It's, it comes from the Greek uh, athletic games it, where, where wrestlers would wrestle with the idea of pinning the other person down and winning the match. Well, th- that's what's used there. The idea of winning a lost soul over to Christ. Um, it brings them over and it's a victorious thing for them and a demonstration of the victory of Christ. Victory over Satan, over sin, over the world, over hell for that matter. So understand that the power of the Holy Spirit, God will saturate you and fill you and, and bless you and lead you. He'll speak to you and guide you and direct you. And uh, he'll never change the mission, but the Spirit of God will give you strategy in winning the most. Uh, and, and so I just encourage you again, through the book of Acts, a great study of how the Holy Spirit operated um, Uh, primarily operating to advance the cause of the mission of Christ in and through the people of God. And that's who, that's the, the Holy Spirit wants to use your life. Surrender to Him. Surrender to the power of God, Christian. Number three, the power of the Word of God. Romans 10, faith comes from hearing. Now we already know this in the book of Romans. How can they believe on whom they've not heard? How can they? Well, they can't. Nobody can believe without hearing. That's why there's a sovereign working of God that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Nobody can just, on their own, jump up and believe in God and turn to Christ and be saved. They must hear the Word of God. They must hear the powerful gospel. That's why we would declare that we're not ashamed of this gospel. It is the power of God. Faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Anyone who hears God enables them to believe. Uh, The Word is near them. It's called the Word of faith there in Romans 10.
10. It's the word of power. The word of God is living and active. In the, word, in, the, in the gospel of John, we've read, these things are written that you might believe and that by believing have eternal life. And so the entire gospel of John is a gospel track. You know, even getting folks who are not ready to listen, just getting them to read the Gospel of John. I have a, probably 150 little Gospels of John, and uh, I have them as I walk out to the, the door of my garage. They're in a little thing with some Gospel tracks, and I can take as many as I want every single day as I go out. I'll be doing that tonight. I'll be grabbing some of those, and I'll be going out. There's some hard case witnessing, witnessing that's got to go on to some drug addict person, to somebody who's into Satanism, um, and I, we're just going to go. It doesn't matter what they're into. I don't care what they're into i don't care what ugly thing they're into the grace of god is far superior to the sin of man and to the satanic presence and power jesus said he would build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail and building that church it occurs by people getting saved baptized by the holy spirit into the body of christ and then causing that body to grow and develop and uh, and, uh, and 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 then and then pour out the fire of the spirit of god have you ever read in first first thessalonians chapter 5 when it commands us not to put out the spirit's fire you see, this Holy Spirit, I mean, he's like the fire, the, the life, the more than just energy. The, he's the life and the fire that would move upon us as we open our hearts. He will pour through your emotions to people. Don't be afraid to pour for you know, your emotions to individuals and cry out to them and tell them and plead with them. See what Peter did when he got filled with the Spirit of God on the day of Pentecost. It's the same way of you being filled with the Spirit of God. He, got, he didn't get filled more than you other than he was surrendered and ready to do it and he got up and the first thing that he did just like Jesus in Mark chapter 1 when he was filled with the Holy Spirit Peter stood up and began to preach and he preached hard and strong and shared now he never he never took a class on how to preach so all he was doing is standing up and sharing to that contemporary crowd what they did wrong he preached Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, and their hearts were absolutely gripped and convicted, and just, and just, uh, they cried out, you know, what shall we do? And he told them to believe in the name of Jesus, to be baptized, which is part of, uh, you know, your 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 new walk in obedience to Christ, and that they would receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise was for them, and he and he poured out, and thousands came to Christ. But then it goes on from there and says in Acts chapter 2, he pleaded with them. He pleaded with them to save themselves from a corrupt generation. So the Holy Spirit can move through your praying, move through your sharing and your pleading, and even demonstrate what is necessary in the salvation of souls. Don't you think the salvation of souls is the most crucial thing in, in all of, of everything that goes on in life? It is the most important thing of everything that is going on in life. It is a matter of life and death, heaven and hell. And Jesus paid the price for the sum total of the world. And uh, he desires, he desires uh, the hearts and lives of men. There's a gospel track I use here in the United States. And uh, the first part of it, uh, it's called the Four Spiritual Laws. And the first part of it says, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And you know what? That's just a little you know, statement, little sentence, but it's packed. I love beginning that way. I love going to an individual because I know that it's true. God so loved the world that he gave his uh, only begotten son, his one and only son, 
And so we see that the motivation of God was that he loved human beings. He literally loves people. doesn't matter how you say, well, look at there, they're sinners, they're this, they're, look at how bad they are, look at whatever else. I don't care. And even providentially, if somebody who's lost gets a hold of this, you're listening to it, maybe you're Luciferian, a Satanist, whatever else, somehow you're listening to it on the World Wide Web. The good news is this, providentially you got a hold of a training CD that goes to Christians, but God has somehow got it to you and you're listening to it. And I don't care how ugly your sins are, how filthy they are, how terrible they are. I am telling you that Jesus Christ died to bust the barrier of sin. He died for you personally. He loves you. He's right there. He's knocking at the door of your heart. And all you need to do is to bow before him and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I believe on you and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. He'll come into your life. He'll forgive all sin. He'll give you the gift of eternal life. He will give you the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you. Oh, what a great message that God has for you. That's why it's called great news, good news for you. Because God loves you and he wants you. He wants you to be in heaven. He wants you to be with him. He wants you to be one that when he returns, uh, he'll take you with him. Oh, may you come to Christ today. Christian, may you find somebody today that needs Jesus Christ. I pray God lead all of us as believers. Lead all of us, repenting of fear and distractions, to seek the souls of men today and every day uh, with the passion and the love of God. Like Paul said, the love of Christ compels me to go. Well, let me come down now on page 31 to point four. The power of prayer and the impact that prayer can have. You can see it in Acts chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, all the way through. You see the power of God displayed in the area of prayer. Jesus said, ask, you shall receive, seek, you shall find, knock, and the door will be opened. Dear sweet Christian friend, I am telling you right now that the great powers and workings of miracles and things that God has, listen, you are not deciding God's will. You are implementing. You are advancing the will of God. You are praying your kingdom Come, God, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God is the salvation of men. The kingdom of God is all about the, uh, Jesus coming. Look what he says in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. The very first thing Jesus says after the temptation, he comes back full of the Holy Spirit, and the first thing Jesus does is he tells him to believe the good news and to repent because the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the authority and rule and reign, the redemption, the salvation, the healing, the deliverance, and eventual glorification and uh, uh, heaven... It's, it's all a part of the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus. And uh, we're praying for that to be advanced. We're praying in this city. I got, I got the time today, this morning in my morning watch, uh, to pray, just like last night in the night watch, to pray northeast, south, and west, to pray for cities and areas, to pray for places that I know I'll go back, like Lidditz, Pennsylvania, and Lancaster, and, and Erie, and, and other places in PA, and throughout, throughout Ohio. And uh, wherever I go, whatever flight I take to go visit somebody for deliverance, my whole thing's going to be the same thing. Seek the salvation of souls. Seek uh, God's leading there. The number one primary thing. I'm not, uh, people have called me, oh, you're an exorcist or you're, you're in deliverance ministry. No, I'm an evangelism minister. I'm in the ministry of the Great Commission. I'm in the ministry of saying that God loves individuals. My central core of mission and ministry is the Great Commission. What accompanies that is healing, deliverance, 
deliverance, other workings of God in people's lives, healing, instruction, and so forth, discipleship, training of other believers. So shout of the darkness, its mission is evangelism and prayer. Prayer is a major part of what we do. Um, it helps bring revival to churches. It helps bring great spiritual awakening to regions and even a nation. Uh, it's what cuts through the satanic stuff. You use the authority of Christ in prayer to pray against uh, satanic blinding and powers and so forth. Uh, so you use prayer. Prayer's not the mission. It's a part of the tools of the mission. Part of the tools of the mission. The mission isn't to become an intercessor. The intercessor is to uh, advance the mission through their praying and intercession and uh, spiritual warfare. It's all about getting answers, the salvation of men, the deliverance of individuals, the advancement of the church, the crushing of satanic powers um, consistently. Well, uh, let's go to page 32 and let's touch on um, point number five. Also, the heaven again, heaven backing the Great Commission, heaven backing the mission of the evangelization of the world, meaning every single human being in every single place. The power of signs, wonders, and miracles. Acts chapters, chapters 2 through 8. Matter of fact, when you study the book of Acts, you're going to find that signs, wonders accompany evangelism accompanies the work of evangelizing lost individuals. God shows signs, wonders, even when he has to uh, break through satanic onslaught. Even when there's a need like Saul and uh, Paul, rather, and Silas in prison and they're imprisoned and they're singing hymns to God and praying and God gives an earthquake and breaks open all the prison doors, the first thing that happens is the jailer cries out, you know, he's going to kill himself and they tell him not to do it. And then he cries out, how can I be saved? Obviously, he was listening to the songs. Obviously, he was listening. Just worship itself in a park somewhere with five, ten people uh, can cause individuals to come over and, and listen to what it is you're saying. Maybe you're going to get the CD. Somebody's going to get the CD, maybe. Send it to somebody in prison. Well, hey, man, pass it along. Pass it along. If you can go to www.shadowthedarkness.net, find the email address and contact us. Maybe we can, um, you know, send you know responses to you and pray for you and send you other things to help. But my biggest urgency would say, be a part of the Great Commission. You're going to find Jesus working with you and the the heaven, you know, God uh, backing every bit of that. He's going to open eyes. Uh, signs and wonders open the eyes of the lost. They reveal and glorify Jesus Christ. They break resistance and they destroy demonic stronghold. So pray like in Acts chapter 4. Peter you know, cried out in prayer for God to stretch out his hand to, perform, uh, to heal and to perform miraculous signs and wonders in the name of his holy servant Jesus Christ the idea that Jesus would be glorified and in that process more people would get saved and more people would come to Christ more people would be drawn 
Point number six, the power of God in healing. Luke chapter 5, verse 17, the power of God was present to heal the sick. Almost all the people that got healed in the, in the Gospels got healed before salvation. So make it a point of your life in evangelism and pre-evangelism is to pray, simply pray for the healing of individuals, whether they're saved or not. And especially if they're not saved, is to let them experience uh, the mercy of God. Um, I don't care who it's ever been. Nobody's ever turned down prayers for healing. Um, I do remember a case going to a hospital where somebody took me to pray for a man. And he was in intensive care in a very bad shape. And I asked the man, and I spoke to him, and I said, "My, your friend here wants me to pray for you. Can I pray for you right now? He was he got violent and did not want us to pray. He, and he had tubes going into him and all those monitors. And nurses said, you've got to leave. And we didn't get to pray directly for him. We came back the next day. We were going to try again and say, listen, we just want to pray for you. And we were trusting that God could do something to help break through to him that he might listen to the gospel. When we came back the next day, a horrific thing. He died. He died and lost his soul forever. So let us pray and be urgent. Uh, Let us uh, reach people while they're young. Let's go to the nursing homes, though, to reach those who may have rejected all their lives. My own, my own human father rejected Christ vehemently all of his life. Vehemently. And, but I never gave up prayers for 23 years. And uh, finally uh, flew out again to California to see him again with the purpose of leading him to Christ, praying for him. God answered prayer, my friend. God answered prayer, even with all his resistance. Through four days of being out there, eventually my dad received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 70 years old, 70 years old. I even told him, I said, Dad, you don't even know one verse of Scripture. Let me share one verse. And once I did that, I can see God begin to crack into and through that resistance and shared another verse and another. And the Spirit of God was operating and working. And after all that time and all that working, he finally broke and bowed his knee and prayed out loud to receive Christ, like his mother who I led to Christ a few years prior. And I told my dad, you'll never see your own mother again unless you come to Christ, because she's in heaven and she knew she was going to heaven. But I, I think it's good that we pray for the healing of individuals. My dad's lungs were bad. He was on a breathing, and uh, I could pray for that at 70 years old, but in that case, you know, God saved him, which is the most important thing, and he died four and a half months later and went to heaven. I, I had to do the funeral, and I spoke to the rest of my family to talk to them about Christ again. Let uh, Just go out and pray for individuals and see what God would do to heal emotions and heal bodies and pray for that redemptive work. And it can become a dramatic open door uh, to their salvation and your sharing Jesus and his compassion. Look at, uh, again, the Gospel of Mark chapter 1. As Jesus starts preaching salvation, he ministers out healing immediately and touches lives and then brings people. In Acts chapter or in Mark chapter 1, the preaching of salvation is accompanied with healing and deliverance right in that first chapter. That takes us to point number 7. The power of Christ Uh, in authority over the demonic. Now, we've looked at this again and again. Luke chapter 10, verse 17 and 18. Jesus said it in the Greek in the perfect tense. I have given you authority, meaning that it's a permanent resident living authority inside of us. I have given you authority to trample on the demonic, to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. 
And so in your bold sharing of Jesus and sharing Christ with individuals nowadays and in the days ahead of us, if Jesus does not come back in, in the next five or ten years, which is hard for me to conceive, if he does not come back, we're going to see more demonized, more possessed people than ever in history. That's what the Bible shows us in prophecy. And uh, so we need more and more Christians to know their authority and uh, to exercise that. Study through that. Appropriate the authority of Christ by simply saying, Lord Jesus, I accept the, th- the authority that you've given me, and uh, I will not back off from when I share Jesus with individuals to pray against uh, demonic strongholds or if a demon manifests to command it to leave them and for them to be freed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who holds the authority. Once again, demonstrating maybe in front of many people, the power and authority and compassion of Christ. And um, it may lead to the salvation of a number of individuals when they see that happen. So don't back off. In evangelism, use the authority of Jesus. Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers so that even before you step out as you're praying against that blinding work, against that demonic work, take authority over those that you know that have demonic attachment and workings in their life uh, before you share Christ many times. In your city, pray against the dark powers as you pray for great awakening and many people to be saved. Well, let me go to point eight. As I mentioned before, the charismatic giftings that we read about in Romans chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and in the book of Ephesians, we're told uh, in 1 Peter 4 uh, that we're to faithfully administer God's grace with the gifts that God has given us. So whatever your giftings may be, teaching and, or leadership or giving or being a servant, um, that might be the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning spirits, you know, any of those miraculous powers, things like that, whatever the giftings, that would be, those giftings would be used in, in accompanying um, uh, evangelization. The giftings are not the mission. They help the mission. Um, they could be used in the mission. Uh, they are mentioned uh, specifically in 1 Corinthians 12 that they're to be for the common good. They're to be a blessing in the body of Christ. They're to display the mercy, direct mercy and grace and uh, workings of Jesus. Um, so uh, seek whatever giftings. Let the Holy Spirit manifest and use those giftings in your life. And as you faithfully use those giftings, don't get lost in doing that only. Again, the great umbrella, uh, this clothing of power uh, is evidenced by you being a witness for Jesus Christ and being a soul winner, uh, supernaturally guided and directed, and along the way, uh, even giftings can be used uh, for evangelism. And it, is, and it displays the power of God. Even in the book of 1 Corinthians 12, you can read about that if an unbeliever is among you and somebody prophesies, Prophesize, and, and you're prophesying and, and speaking forth about God, um, the person may then say, hey man, God is really among you and they'll, they'll want to repent. And I've seen that happen, uh, where God has powerfully uh, spoken in, in those situations. And uh, so please understand that they can be used in a local church um, and uh, a demonstration uh, of God's working can also, again, open the eyes of the blind and cause them to want to know the source of that grace, that power, that working, and, uh, and know what it's all about. It's found in Jesus, in the great, great, great work, and uh, salvation uh, far exceeds all signs, wonders, and giftings. 
but those signs, wonders, and giftings can be used uh, to, to move people towards Jesus. And that's a great thing. Well, let me say something that I think is the most important working that I know of. And this is, uh, actually it should be point nine. But it's the single most important power in the mission mandate. Uh, whether on the streets, house to house, in revivals, or in mass spiritual awakening. It is the most important power in this mission. Let me say it again. It is the single most important power in this mission mandate. And that is the personal presence of the living Christ. And he walks with me and talks with me. Do you ever, re- you ever sing the hymn? This is the living Christ. Jesus said, not only is he going to be in us and over us, but Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. And we see this happening in the book of Acts all over the place. You know, So to this very day, 2,000 years later, the uh, resurrected Christ, the ascended Christ, now has come to live in us by the Spirit of God, and Christ is in us. He is with us. He can make his appearances. He can do his work. He can confirm his word. The Lord is operating uh, through the life of the witness of him and uh, sharing and uh, revealing himself. Man, Jesus wants to reveal his very self through you. And the stronger your clear, simple obedience is to Christ, the greater the manifestation of Christ coming through you. He's with you, my friend. He's with me. To the very end of the age, wherever we go to share Christ, to the highways, the byways, like he said even in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament mission with Joshua, have I not commanded you, commanded you, you know, do not be discouraged, do not be, you know, terrified, be strong and courageous. Then he says these words, uh, for the Lord your God shall be with you wherever you go. The Lord your God shall be with you wherever you go. And that is the testimony of the living person of Jesus with you and I wherever we go to share Jesus. If we're on the mission, he's in the mission. He's with the mission. And uh, he will demonstrate himself in that way. You're going to have some of the greatest times in your life being a part of the mission. Listen, worship and knowing Jesus is the privilege evangelization as the single most important mission of all that we have I mean that is the mission and uh, Jesus said I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail I will build my church he's doing it he'll be a pre- he'll be a part of it he didn't do it he didn't say through that you know 2,000 years ago I'm going to do this I'm going to leave you know he said a, 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 another comforter of the same kind will come to you I will come to you in the presence of the Holy Spirit Jesus is inseparable I and the Holy Spirit and, and, and the Father are one Jesus said where the Spirit of the Lord is there is liberty I, you know he, he, he and the Spirit of God they are, they are one and so you can know for sure as you feel his presence the Lord himself working and operating he's alive man he's alive he's in China right now he's in South Africa right now he's in England right now he's up there among the northmen he's in Russia he's all over he's even in he's even in some of the arabic uh, nations and, and places i just got a report somebody sent me concerning Reza Safa a great uh, former former radical shiite muslim who got saved sharing christ in his newsletter he just mentioned how 87 Arabs, Muslims have come to Christ. 87 Muslims have come to Christ. Others have prayed for healing and other things. Awesome, awesome. 
Jesus said, I will be with you to the end of the age. The Lord worked with him and confirmed his word. So that is the promise. But listen, where there is stagnant, disobedient Christians, you're not going to experience all this working of God. A lot of a lot of those stagnant Laodicean type Christians or Sardis type Christians that once were alive but are now dead. Uh, the bottom line is they're not going to see the working of the Lord. They're not going to feel the working of the Lord. They're not going to be amazed again and again at the working and compassion of Jesus operating among them and around them and through them and over them uh, in the evangelization of individuals and families and groups and cities um, because they're dead. Uh, they're dead spiritually, and, and and it's demonstrated that they're not being obedient to the Word of God and doing the works of Jesus. Uh, the Word of God and the works of Jesus go hand in hand, and uh, that is demonstrated in Jesus. It is demonstrated in the book of Acts to the early disciples, and it's the only way to live it out now. Word and works uh, are inseparable in our outreach. Well, let me go to the section C towards the end of this uh, session here. This is the need for massive spiritual impact in the light of the ramping up of the satanic presence. Let me say it again. The need for massive spiritual impact in light of the ramping up of the satanic presence. So, if biblical prophecy tells us that all this satanic stuff and manifestation and working, counterfeit signs, wonders and miracles, and every sort of evil that deceives those, if Satan is operating and eventually going to bring about a great revolt, great black awakening, satanic awakening, and bring about the Antichrist and all of that, which will occur, God has said it will, and Satan is operating that way, and more people will be demonized, and more people will be in cults, and uh, more Luciferians and Satanists will be around us. Um, well, okay, so what? Let me tell and share um, three levels of impact that we should be uh, unleashing on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. Because God has also told us that he's going to bring about two witnesses. And they're going to pour out a witness to the world. They're not prophets. They're witnesses of Christ. Uh, now they'll be prophesying and doing signs, wonders, and so forth. Just as God's power backs every soul winning witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one that wants to glorify. Even Jesus said the Holy Spirit will take from what is his and make it known. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus Christ. And that's what we're to be doing, too. We're to glorify Jesus in all that we do and say. And through the, the gospel, and it's the gospel is in, packed with power, the power and presence and voice and appeal of God. Well, I want to mention three things when I talk about massive, you know, the, the impact that we can have. It can be personal, it can be group-oriented, and it can be uh, regional or national. Number one, the never-ending street-level impact. Acts 5.42, they never stopped preaching and teaching that Jesus was the Christ. They went from house to house and in the temple courts. They never stopped. They never stopped. A church should never stop. A pastor should never stop. A Christian should never stop. You know, every single week, reach somebody for Christ. Every single week, reach another family member. Every single re week, be a part of an outreach team. Every single week, do evangelism. It's the mission. It's the mission. It's the mission. Every week, never stop. Never stop. That's the testimony of the early church. And the, the testimony... Is, uh, corresponds with the fact that God never stopped operating in power, doing a sign, doing a wonder, healing people, saving people. He never stopped because they never stopped. And the problem is many, so many Christians around us have stopped. So many pastors, some people have never started. Never started. Maybe you're one of those people that have never started evangelizing. 
and been a part of the great mission of God. Well, now's the time. You know, maybe you didn't, nobody taught you. You never heard that. Well, I'm teaching you now. I'm sharing with you now what Jesus said. He says to every Christian, go, make disciples of all nations. Go, preach the good news to every creature. Go to the highways, to the byways. Be a soul winner. I'll, Jesus, I'll give you the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witness. Um, so go do that. Don't wait for anybody else. Go do that. God will make you the leader. God will make you the inspiration. You may be the spark that gets a great fire of revival uh, in this area uh, unleashed. So never ending on a personal level. Every week, seek souls. Every week, be a part of the mission. Every week, be praying for the accomplishment of winning souls. Every single day, I pray, God, give me somebody today. And then I go out, and in the midst of that day, I'm looking for a lost person. I'm, I, I, I want to make the most of that opportunity. Point number two, the group and city impact. This is the Philip factor or the Cornelius household factor. This is where God comes to save a group. God impacts an entire, like Cornelius' household. I mean, the whole household got saved and filled with the Spirit, and God demonstrated signs and wonders. Read about it in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9. This is where entire groups, an entire family, uh, or a little city like Samaria, the entire city was impacted, and many turned to Christ. When you study Patrick, when he went to Ireland, and he, and he literally led teams just like in the book of Acts. He led teams right next to Druid uh, outposts where he would go to the chief and uh, they would begin to pray for people and, and minister to people and then begin to lead uh, and sometimes would lead 70% of the entire village of Druids and those who are into old ancient practices to Christ. He helped evangelize all of Ireland and he left the high crosses everywhere and chapels everywhere and it's a great study there's a there's a book out called uh, uh, Celtic Evangelism that, that gives uh, some of the historical background to Patrick's evangelization which is very similar to Peter, Paul and uh, second generation Christians like Stephen and Philip very similar to the way he did it and they were after groups and households if you lead one person to Christ you should probably realize they have 20 people around them, the web of friends and family Go after that 20 people. Have that new saved person take you to all of his family and all of his friends. Invite all that family and friends. When that new believer gets baptized, have them invite everybody to come and see it so that you can share Christ with them during the baptism. God is interested and can save entire households in one evening. He can impact entire cities, small cities and places, uh, and save many. Thirdly, there's massive historic spiritual awakening and revival fires. And you're reading about that if you're reading the book Revival Fires by Wesley Duell. If you're reading that book, you're going to see historical studies all over the place where God came with power and he, he struck uh, regions and uh, he struck nations. One of the greatest stories that I know of is in a different book about the battleship North Carolina where four backslidden Christians got together in the ship and uh, the captain gave them uh, some lower little scuzzy hall down in the you know belly of the ship to go down there and do a Bible study and pray and whatever. 
try to get them out of the way probably. Well, they went down there and they began to pray and began to seek God. And all of a sudden, as they sought God and looked to God and cried out to God and repented, the power of God fell upon them in such a way that they were singing hymns and praising God. And and, uh, other shipmates came down to hear them and make fun of them. But when they got near them, the power of God struck them. They then got saved, went up to the higher parts of the ship, brought other shipmates down. They then were seized and gripped by the power of God. They got saved, and more uh, of the ship of individuals got saved, and God powerfully operated. Then the North Carolina, the battleship, would uh, come into port along the Atlantic coast from port to port to port. The sailors would come off of the ship into those port areas. They'd be singing about Christ, sharing Christ, expressing the power of God, and testifying to the great work of God. And more would get saved, and more would get saved. Now listen, it is said in the conservative estimates, in a conservative estimate, that in six months, a million individuals were swept into the kingdom of God. That is mass historic spiritual awakening. Like Jonathan Edwards, like with John Wesley, like the revivals of, uh, of Charles Finney, And uh, you can read about so many others. That's why I encourage you to read books on revival, books on spiritual awakening. The great book from Wesley Duell, as we read, it's called Revival Fires. And it inspires you to know that God can. And listen, what is the will of God? The will of God is to save. The will of God is to give His power and presence to His people. The will of God is to fill you with the Spirit of God. God's will is to save and, and change lives. God's will is to crush Satan. Listen, again, 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy Satan's work. His work in blinding people, uh, crippling people, deceiving people, possessing people. And evangelism is uh, the great expression of the power and authority and mercy and compassion of Christ. And he comes to open eyes. Uh, he comes to crack through the satanic workings and literally to save individuals. Well, let me share with you the very end of this as I encourage you again today to become one of God's great witnesses, to become like Philip, uh, just to be involved on a daily and weekly basis, not waiting on anybody else, just doing it between you and Jesus. And then maybe God will lead you to have a partner. I love going out in teams to have the great fellowship with Christians. Some of the greatest fellowship I've ever had was going out on teams as we pray as we go, as we go minister to individuals, lead people to Christ, uh, as we're driving back you know, from those episodes, you know, praising God, praying for each other, fellowshipping, talking about things. Uh, Jesus in Luke 10 sent them out in teams anyway. Page 33 in your notes in session 10 says this, under D, The three measures for maximum spiritual impact can result in, number one, the greatest releasing of heaven's powers, graces, mercy, to the point of extraordinary things um, that God will do. The greatest unleashing of powers and graces and mercy from God and the salvation of men as we're uh, committed to the maximum spiritual impact of evangelism and the evangelization of individuals, of families, of groups, of cities, of regions, of nations. Let me say secondly that when we're committed to all that, the Great Commission, the best blessing personally comes. 
The best blessing personally and the best blessing for the church will be there. God really is uh, explosive and alive in the individual and in the church that is, that is deeply and passionately committed to doing the Great Commission. So the best blessings are for those who are obeying Christ and uh, doing the Great Commission. The bla- best of God's workings and, and the testimonies could go on for hours in local churches where uh, the Great Commission is central and operating weekly and God is operating in, in powerful ways. Three, the most numbers of individuals getting saved. Someone says, well, are you, are you about numbers? Absolutely. I want every single human being saved. God does. God's not willing, Bulamai, he doesn't have any determined counsel that anybody should be lost. You read in, again, the second chapter of Timothy where it says that this is good and pleases God our Savior who wills all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. My dear Christian friend, do you think he wants you saved and not somebody else? Do you think Jesus Christ went outside of Jerusalem and wept over Jerusalem for nothing? When he wept over them and said, how often I would have taken you up under my arms. He would have saved them and delivered them and helped them. Then he said, but you would not. Listen, people perish not because God doesn't want to save them, not Not because God's not ready to save them. Not because it's not their time. But only because of one thing. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. The greatest powers can be unleashed. The best blessings can be unleashed. The most numbers of individuals can be saved. The deepest destruction of satanic powers can be displayed in power-filled, Jesus-filled evangelism. You'll see it in the book of Acts. And then fifthly, the altering of the destinies of individuals and millions. If we're seeking the greatest maximum spiritual impact on a daily level of witnessing to everybody we can on a group and city level to impact our families and groups and neighborhoods and city and on a regional or national level for spiritual awakening for God to come a great power man it is the altering of destinies of individuals and millions of individuals number one it also impacts and can change the course of history England was going down the tubes But the Wesley revivals and the impact that God had in England, some sociologists believe that it saved England, the nation, from social collapse. God can have that kind of power. It can be the altering of nations, governments. Like Rome, God brought down Rome purposely because of its evil and uh, violence and its uh, its anti-Christ governmental policies. He brought down Nazi Germany. Listen, God knows how to bring down governments that are disobedient to him, governments that are arrogant. He knows how, like Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament book of Daniel, to bring down leaders. So we pray against evil. We pray for God to bring down that which opposes the salvation of men. We pray for governments to be open to the gospel, to be aligned with Romans 13, to doing the will of God, of doing good, commending good. The government should bear uh, the sword on evil in the biblical context. It even can affect war. So please understand what spiritual awakening can do. Uh, On the the single uh, most important issue is the salvation of one man or woman or child. Or that then again, that family. Then again, uh, that family line. Then again, that city. Then again, uh, that, that region. 
So what shall we do? What are you prepared to do? What are you going to do with all of the information and all of the Word of God, the study, and all of the... um, What are you going to do? Christian, what are you going to do now for the gospel, for the King of Heaven, for the salvation of men and women? As you've studied this lesson, even now, there may be some all around us that have died and gone off to hell. Can we step in and pray, God, give us another day. Give us another opportunity. Like Moses in the Old Testament, God, don't let judgment fall yet. Save souls. God would rather, listen, it says in the in the book of James, mercy triumphs over judgment. We read it in Ezekiel that God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn. Dear, sweet Christian friend, surrender to being part of the great mission of God that God backs as the single most important thing He is doing on the face of the earth. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you glad the mission reached you? Aren't you glad Jesus Christ reached you? Now, my dear sweet friend, reach everybody you can for Christ. This is Russ Dizdar. God bless you. My prayers are with you. Please keep praying for us www.shadowthedarkness.net on the web. God bless you today.